Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today, I'm so excited to discuss about SEO, outreach, personalization, marketing tools. And we have an awesome guest and expert, Rand Fishkin. How are you? Good. How are you, Anatoly? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fine, you know, especially to have this discussion. I'm excited about this. And because, you know, I've learned a lot from you. I watched a bunch of uh, White Boy Friday, your articles. And, you know, for example, uh, my audience, uh, a lot of people from my audience from Russia and Ukraine. And, you know, everyone knows you, you know, even in these countries. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I don't know people who don't know you. And, you know, I decided to check out uh, from my audience on LinkedIn. And I asked them, who is Rand Fishkin? Do you know him? And 27% replied, yes, we know. But uh, 73%, sorry, they don't know you. Can you Great. tell <laughs> Can you tell them who is Rand Fishkin? Sure, sure. Um, so I, let's see, in, in, in SEO world, I'm generally known for starting a company called Moz, um, which of course started initially as a blog, became a popular educational resource was then a consulting company for a little while and then a software company. Um, and I was the CEO there for a long time and stepped down in 2014 and then left the company a few years ago and started a new one called SparkToro. Uh, I also wrote a book called Lost and Founder, uh, which you can, <laughs> right, <laughs> mirror image, uh, which you can see behind me there. And um, I speak at a lot of conferences and events, uh, mostly in the United States and Europe, and um, am well known for, for for blogging and writing, and um, yeah, have a reasonably sizable social media presence in sort of the web marketing world. So that yeah, that's a little bit about me. Huh, cool, cool. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, okay. Uh, I wanna um, ask a bunch of questions. I hope people will ask these questions as well. And I know from my previous. Uh, uh webinars they don't give me the chance to ask their questions because i invite them so i need to <laughs> ask their questions in the first stage but you know uh, i want to ask uh, my first question about um uh, you proclaimed uh to change strategy i, I remember it it was a few years ago on twitter you told that it's better to uh, focus on branding keywords than uh common keywords like generic keywords uh that was uh on Twitter, if I remember correctly, uh, what do you think about today? Uh, is it good strategy or it's better to chase high volume keywords? I mean, if if I had the choice, I would always go after brand. And and the reason is, you know, Anatoly, if you and I start a, I don't know, an online furniture store together, or we start selling software, or um, we write a book together, or um, we are selling children's games, doesn't matter. But if if we go out there and look across the spectrum of all the um, you know searches for children's toys, kids' toys, kids' toys for Christmas, um, what presents to get for boys, what presents to get for girls, every single keyword all added together, they will not come close to one one hundredth of the search volume for Lego. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why is that? That's because Lego has built a brand that people desire. And when someone searches for Lego, I, 
I guarantee Lego is going to benefit from that, right? Maybe it's indirectly, but they are going to benefit from that. Whereas, you know, whatever, randonanatolisellkidstoys.com, we're going to have a tough time, you know, even if we rank number one for kids' toys today, tomorrow, next week, next month, we'll have a hundred more competitors, right? Everyone's trying to vie for those spots. I... I kind of don't like playing that game. I would much rather slowly and steadily build up a brand that people search for and own that keyword completely because it's my brand rather than trying to play the game of, um, you know, rank for a generic keyword. I think generic keywords can be reasonable to go after in order to build up and support your brand, but the goal should be the brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, got it. I agree completely. Uh, for example, even Elon Musk uh, tweeted that he can't find uh, Tesla website on Google. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he he doesn't want to pay uh, for SEO specialists. Uh, but uh, yeah, everyone knows about Tesla, about this big brand. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, Tesla never needed to rank for cars, right? Just there's no yeah. no real no real point for them. I would much rather build the Tesla brand then rank number one for every car search in the world. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, um, I want to uh, share uh, a short story. You know, I, I remember when you uh, told about CTR, that it's ranking factor. After this, Gary Ellis replied, it's not ranking factor. Uh, but, <laughs> okay, um, uh, I remember this tweet. You probably drank something, I don't know tea or juice, <laughs> let's call it this. Uh, and um, um, after this, uh, a few of my clients uh, told me uh, why we need to pay attention with titles and descriptions, uh, because we need ranking positions. But uh, uh, I told them it doesn't matter it's ranking factor or not. You, uh, the main point is to get traffic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you have the position five with traffic, thousand people or position three with 500 people, you know, yeah, it's a big difference. Yeah, uh, it always struck me as odd, all the all the people who are like, no, no, don't think about click-through rate. Mm -hmm. Really? Really? <laughs> well, why are you ranking? Is it just for prestige? You just want to show up high? You don't care about the traffic? Yeah, I agree. And, um, um, and we got uh, one client and he told me, uh, I can bring... Uh, a huge budget for you if you can uh, provide results for a month you know for SEO it's hard I don't know uh, especially it depends on content but uh, the topic was weight loss supplements uh, he got a uh, hundred thousand people a month not bad you know uh, especially if you are talking about this topic uh, but you know I, I found that his titles uh, were written for the sake of having them you know uh, uh, and we decided to use some studies from Moss, uh, HubSpot, uh, to use numbers, brackets, to give a strong reason uh, for people. And some pages uh, for a month brought uh, three times more, others uh, two times more. Yeah, we increased traffic a lot. Uh, I, you know, after this, I decided I don't care, you know, about its ranking factor or not. <laughs> it's better to get this traffic. And we decided to create a tool. Um, let me share this tool for you because I, I checked out your uh, website, Spartora, with this tool uh, that uh, analyzes. Uh, give me a few seconds. Uh, I'm interested about your thoughts. How we can develop this tool? You know, to go ahead. Uh, can you see my screen? Yes. Yeah. And for example, if you put uh, your website here, you can analyze uh, all your pages. Uh, 
title, descriptions. Uh, we have some tools, uh, but they usually check out the links. Uh, and we have other tools that check out only one page. But with my tool, you can analyze the whole website. Uh, and uh, if you click here, you can analyze uh, to get some tips how you can improve it. You can edit, you know, for example, I don't know, uh, we can uh, edit uh, your title. Um, title, I don't know, um, I just for testing, for example, uh, right, test offer, something like this, test offer, uh, 21, and um, yeah, and analyze, uh, yeah, plus three, oh, that's okay, you know, uh, and uh, we have some uh, disc uh, tips for description, for text, uh, for uh, technical optimization, if you click here, you know, you can analyze light speed insights to give all this information for web developers. I'm interested in your thoughts about this tool, uh, how we can develop it or uh, improve it or, uh, yeah, just any thoughts, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, gosh, uh, let's see. I, so I am not, you know, I'm not deep in the SEO world anymore. Mm -hmm. It's been, what, uh, three, a little over three years since I left Moz. Um, so yeah, I, I would say, you know, I think the things that have been most valuable for us um, in developing SparkToro is, is having a lot of conversations with customers, trying to find the people who um, are our core correct customers, the ones who are mostly likely to use our product, uh, talk to them, get data about them, interview them, show them our product, uh, get their feedback. I, I would probably suggest the same thing for you. I don't think anything beats you know great in-depth customer conversations. And I think that more so than me kind of going like, oh, well, maybe you could change this to make the edit button more mm -hmm. obvious. I don't know, right? Like, what, what do I know? <laughs> but if you talk to your core customers, the people who you really want to attract and um, you want to get value from that, and you you know ask them pointed questions about how much value they're getting from it and what alternatives they use to solve their problem today and um, which, uh, which problems they feel are very useful that the tool solves and not so useful that the tool solves and things they don't use in it, things they do. I think you'll get some great feedback. Yeah, got it. Yeah, I agree. And you know, uh, I usually uh, check out websites on LinkedIn and uh, send the reports for my clients and ask their feedbacks. It helps to find bugs, you know, to fix something. <laughs> okay, we have the first question from Nikolai Smichkov. Um, Is it better build links to blog or relink to commercial page or to build links directly to commercial pages from guest posts? Is it better to build links to blogs and relink to a commercial page? Um, gosh, I guess, let's see. So when I do uh, link building, I generally do it as PR, you know, digital mm -hmm. PR. So I'm, I'm outreaching. If I get the link, great. If I don't get a link, I don't care because they mention my brand name. And that's, that's all I'm really looking for. In my opinion, Google is counting brand mentions anyway. So um, let's see. I think if you are if you are actually building the link and if we're talking about like old school link building and and Google's sort of more classic algorithm around ranking I, I would generally vote you know to get to take the link directly to my commercial page that's that's where I would take it um, mm -hmm. rather than going through you know blog to commercial page but look these days um, 
at least in English, Google is getting much, much more sophisticated about this stuff. I think generally speaking, what happens is Google's algorithm sort of gets much more sophisticated in English and then it rolls out in other languages as more engineering teams, you know, from Google across the rest of the globe, uh, roll those out. So yeah, that's, that's, I would expect that it wouldn't matter all that much long-term. Yeah, interesting. No, for example, uh, I, I often see different opinions. For example, if I ask Craig, Craig Campbell, he told, yes, you need to build links for commercial pages because he uses some different methods like Black Hat SEO. If, we, uh, if I ask Lily Ray, she replies, she replied to me, no way, you need to give a strong reason. Yeah, because, you know, for example, it depends on your strategy. Of course, uh, I, yeah, uh, if we are talking about white hat SEO and uh, I don't provide uh, black hat SEO, sometimes I, I'm quite surprised to get these questions. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, white... I used to, you know, I used to, Anatoly, like I was a little bit um, in my early career, you know, against black hat SEO. Now, <laughs> You know, no offense, but like, fuck Google. <laughs> Google is a multi-billion-dollar corporation that has um, been terrible to everyone in all sorts of ways, and they they have uh, they have earned all the black hat you can throw at them. So mm -hmm. I, I don't, um, I no longer have any moral or ethical quandaries about folks who want to do black hat mm -hmm. SEO and benefit from that in the short term and. Look, Google will probably catch up with you at some point. So just make sure that, you know, for, for the brand building sites that you want to build long term, you know, you're doing generally stuff that's not going to get you into trouble. That's for your interest, not for Google's interest. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care about Google. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah, agree. agree. Okay. Uh, Ravi Ranjan, um, uh, I'm guessing I pronounced correctly. Uh, I'm sorry if I can't do it. Uh, okay, my question is for startup, is it good to work for, on branded keywords or uh, what should be the strategies to work on branded keywords? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Ravi, I think it is absolutely essential for any company of any size, but, but especially startups to focus heavily on uh, building, building their brand. I don't know if that necessarily means branded keywords. Well, one of the best things that you can do when you're in the early stages is choose a great name. So when you choose a great name for your brand or that your branded products, uh, make sure that name is unique, right? So nobody, when you Google it, for example, when I started SparkToro, one of the things I wanted to do was have a name where when I put the name in quotes in Google, there were zero results, not one single result in the whole search engine. And that was true for SparkToro. And so that meant that as I built up the brand, there would never be confusion about sort of oh, what does someone mean when they search for SparkToro? Or, um, you know, should I be taking the credit for this, you know, growth in it? All that kind of stuff. I, I wanted that to be absolutely ours and only ours. Uh, and, and I would do the same thing for any startup that you're working on on the brand naming convention. The next thing I would do uh, with, with brand and branded keywords is I would, as you go out there and, you know, whatever, talk about your company, promote your company, I would try and give everyone you possibly can um, a good reason to want to come to your site and tell people about it and come back again. That will increase branded traffic quite a bit. So for SparkToro, for example, we made a few free tools. They're, they're completely free. They don't really do a whole lot for the business, but they drive a lot of traffic and interest. One of them is the fake followers tool. 
tons mm -hmm. of people all over the world are like really interested in what percent of my followers are fake on Twitter and what percent of this politician's followers are fake on Twitter and I don't know, sports teams like, they, you know, tons of people are using it all the time. We don't do any marketing for it. But because of that, lots and lots of people talk about SparkToro online. They associate us with, you know, social media data and brand tracking data and audience intelligence data and uh, market research data. Great. That's exactly what we're looking for. We, we want that stuff. So I think those free kinds of viral products that get people coming to you and coming back, that's a great investment for building up brand over time. And then for branded keywords in particular, hopefully, if you've done your work well, you shouldn't need to do a lot to rank for them. That's the beauty of it, right? That Lego doesn't have to do a bunch of work every quarter in order to stay number one for Lego. They're just number one. I don't have to do any work to rank number one for SparkToro. Like Spark Toro, mm -hmm. number one for Spark Toro. That's is great. <laughs> uh, how do you highlight fake uh, followers? It's interesting because uh, I don't know. For example, uh, I often get the question, do I need to buy followers? No way, you know. Uh, but, uh, for example, if I don't buy followers, that means uh, they can come to my uh, account if I don't buy them. Can you tell more about this? <laughs> I mean, I, look, I think... The, the social networks and um, pretty much everyone out there is going to recognize fake followers pretty quickly. Um, mm -hmm. When we say fake, we mean a bunch of different things, right? So one one definition of a fake follower is someone who's there because they're um, it's a bot and you just purchased it and it's run by you know a machine somewhere and it's not a real person at all. Mm -hmm. Who is it? It is a real person, but it's sort of a um, whatever, propaganda, misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy account, you know, all, all that kind of weird stuff. Three is it's inactive. Like it's someone who followed, you know, they signed up for Twitter, mm -hmm. they signed up for Instagram, yeah. whatever, like five years ago. They haven't logged in in two years. They're not seeing your content. Is that a real follower? No, it's mm -hmm. a fake yeah. follower, right? So, you know, there's there's all these different kinds of, of fake followers and you can buy all different kinds. You can buy inactive accounts, you can buy bot accounts, you can buy propaganda accounts, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. the, the only real um, value that I see in, in fake followers is to artificially make yourself, your account, your company sort of look more important to people who might be judging you on surface level metrics like follower count. If mm -hmm. that's something that matters to you, like go for it. You know, once again, I don't, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, those companies are doing fine. They're doing great. Mm -hmm. You want to you want to play around with their systems. You want to mess with them. Go for it. <laughs> that's fine. You know, I think uh, buying fake followers on Twitter or Instagram is the one of the least evil things you can do with social media manipulation. You know, compared to like spreading conspiracies or misinformation or propaganda or those kinds of things, which actually really hurt people. You know, uh, going and going and buying a thousand followers, you go for it. Like <laughs> if it's useful <laughs> to you, fine. Okay, thanks a lot. You know, uh, I feel that uh, you're some you're a different person. Seriously, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I, don't, I think I think folks, you know, folks who remember me from like ten or fifteen years ago. When I was like, no, it's wrong. You shouldn't do those things. Yeah. Now, hey, hey, if it works for you, go ahead and take advantage of big tech because big tech is taking advantage of you, mm -hmm. right? Uh, these these software programs, these um, technologies, platforms, these 
the big five tech players, they are absolutely abusing their monopoly power in thousands of ways, big and small every day. And so look, if you, if you wanna do um, a little thing that is against their terms of service, that's gonna help you build your business or, or help you accomplish some marketing goal inside their system, Honestly, it would be very hypocritical of me to say, you can't do that to nice Facebook. They're such a sweet company. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, we have the question from uh, Santano. How do you outreach services for specially link building guest post? Most of agencies don't hire outsourcing. Want to, how they manage their link building service? Hmm, something like this, yeah. Hmm. This question. All right, so... Uh, let's see if, so I think the question is, um, how do I do outreach for my link building service? And I think the way I would think about that is there's a lot of people in that space. Almost all of them are low quality and spammy. Um, you know, I get dozens of emails like that every day and just throw them in spam. And so it's really tough to do that in an outreach way. I would probably change your tactic. So rather than going one-to-one -one outreach on whatever, LinkedIn or, or Twitter or um, uh, through email or those kinds of things, I wouldn't send those kinds of messages. I would instead try and relationship build my way into uh, a network of people who referred people back to me. That tends to be how a lot of great agencies and consultants and pro uh, uh, providers to agencies have done well over the years is they've, they've built up a relationship with you know, one or a few agencies who love their services, who rely on them for their client work and who keep sending them business, that that would be my uh, preference. And I think good ways to do that are conferences and events. Uh, In-person mm -hmm. is great whenever that comes back. But in the meantime, there's online and that can work as well. Case studies are a great way to go. So if you can show off online like, hey, here's our work and let me, you know, show it to some people who can share it on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Reddit, um, you know, you can you can uh, post about it in forums and, and sort of show off your work that, hey, we did this, here's the results, here's the Google Analytics traffic, here's the Google Search Console, here's the, you know, Moz or, or Ahrefs or SEMrush mm -hmm. chart, all that kind of stuff. Fantastic, right? I think, I think those, are, those are great ways to show it off. Um, and if I were doing the outreach side of that, uh, I think, think my primary goal would be sharing the case study. So rather than, hey, Rand, you know, we offer link building services. No, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Hey, Rand, we wrote a case study um, for an e-commerce client about how we 10x their traffic with a three-month link building campaign. I know some people think links don't work all that well anymore, but this looks pretty good. Can you tell us what you think? You know, we'd, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this case study. Uh, I'm probably going to click that. I'm probably going to check it out. If it's really good, I'm probably going to tweet about it. Now a lot of people are going to see it, right? So I, I would probably go that route instead. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, you know, when I decided to reach out to you, you know, uh, because um, I saw you on the show with Paul Andre Devera. He's my friend, you know, we are talking sometimes. Uh, and um, uh, I've listened a bunch of episodes, audio podcasts with you. And I think 
can I do it, you know, to write to random fish here, I have a chance to get the response even, and when you replied for a few hours, I was, oh, no way, <laughs> okay, okay, I, 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 I definitely need to get you on my show, you know, yeah, uh, and uh, I think that I didn't use any templates, just uh, to write a short message, uh, yeah, Something like this, I don't know, nothing special. Uh, and uh, guys, if you want to get results, don't, uh, I don't know, like, don't try to use any templates. Just write your honest yeah. message uh, be, uh, and provide the reason why you we need, you know, to have the show or something like this. Yeah. Uh, I do have, I think I can chat this to you. So I, I wrote a blog post on some outreach tips that might be useful to folks. Oh yes, that in the chat. chat. Maybe it, I'm not sure if it'll show up in comments, but hopefully you can get ah, it. Ah, you, uh, you can send me in the private private message, and I will show oh, okay. the audience. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Um, obviously, I do a ton of outreach myself. You know, as I'm building SparkToro, and um, and have helped a lot of folks with their campaigns. A number of our um, subscribers use SparkToro specifically for for digital PR app style outreach, and so I, I wrote some tips there that might be useful to folks as well as they're thinking about that kind of, how do I pitch someone and get, you know, a great answer? Oh, but one of the tips I definitely, you know, you can check them all out, but, but one of the ones I definitely start with is try and build your relationship um, first before you send an email. So if, if I've seen someone a few times on Twitter or LinkedIn, especially, or, or Instagram or Facebook a little less, and then I get an email from them, I'm going to reply probably, right? Because I, mm -hmm. I've seen that person. I recognize them. I know their name. I, I know the, the icon for their face. I, okay. I, yeah, yeah. This person's familiar to me. We've had some exchanges. Now, you know, I'm much more likely to reply than a cold outreach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I use uh, uh, a quite different strategy. It's like I, I comment a lot, you know, for example. I, yeah, I comment I, marketing. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I just find uh, social media accounts. If I wanna to reach out, I uh, submit uh, comments a few weeks, you know, uh, and uh, I don't uh, reply something like this. Thank you, great stuff. No way. I just no, extend. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Additional value. Ask real uh, questions. Have real conversations. Engage with that person at their level. Uh, that's you're doing it exactly right, Anatoly. Yeah, yeah. Because recipients get over a hundred emails a day. They have no time to read all these emails. And no. it's better to, uh, they usually check out emails from their uh, colleagues, customers, uh, friends. If you want want a warm connections uh, to be their friends, just comment their post, you know, yep, it's enough. Smart. Yeah. Okay, uh, we have the question from Muhammad. Uh, what's your advice for a new agency trying to get first foot on search, Peter working on SEO or branding? Oh, people want to ask about branding. Uh, yeah. Or communities, or media buying. Yeah, media buying, sure. Media buying. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, if you are a uh, if you are a new agency, I think it is really smart to specialize, and I would try mm -hmm. and specialize as deeply as you can while still having a good customer base. So, for example, I wouldn't start an agency today, a new agency, especially, and. Uh, say, oh, we are, um, you know, we offer SEO and branding and media buying and ad age, um, uh, ad services and social media marketing. No, 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 no. Right. I, I, the only way I would do that is if I said, we do all those things in the financial tech sector. 
So if you have a financial tech, finance tech company, we are experts. Here's our case studies. Here's examples of our work. Here's companies we've worked with. Okay, right now, if I'm finance tech, I go, hey, I need a, you know, social media and SEO and branding and media buying. Great. I have, a, I have an agency option. But I would specialize on one of those. And I might even go even deeper and say, we're whatever, you know, the best SEO link builders um, for software as a service businesses. We are the best uh, media buying agency for um, uh, authors and publishers. You know, I, I would go very, very deep and very niche and then branch out from there because starting niche will give you a competitive advantage. You can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these other agencies offer these services, but they don't know your sector like we do. That That's a very compelling pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good advice, yeah. Okay, uh, um, let me check out some questions. Uh, yeah, we have a bunch of questions. I need to choose. Okay, uh, is hidden text or links, keyword stuffing or and reporting a competitor still work? Yeah. Um, let's see, my experience has been that in English Google search, not so much anymore, right? Like mm -hmm. most of the black hat, gray hat stuff is... Um, either much more advanced than that, or it is just not working. That being said, I do have friends, um, you know, in places like uh, Romania and Bulgaria and Turkey. I spoke at an SEO conference there and, and um, have kept in touch with some folks uh, in Saudi Arabia, um, in part, uh, um, yeah, plenty of folks in, um, I, I think actually India is getting more mm -hmm. like the English market with, with, uh, spam awareness, but I think in a lot of smaller language region countries where there's, you know, a few million to a few tens of million speakers and Google has very few or relatively fewer engineering offices in those places, it tends to be the case that like those old school tactics work better. So your mileage may vary, right? Um, it It is... Not the case that, you know, everyone who's in the United States and searching in Google in English and doing SEO for, for English language Google in, U in the U.S. is going to have good experience about what works and what doesn't work in your region. So it can it can be it can be different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah great. OK, um, the question from uh, Santano, how much is effective for link buildings for SEO in good authority? Ah, yeah, it's like about authority websites. Uh, I, I remember you created this uh, parameter, yeah, because you know it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, domain authority, right? Yeah, domain authority because uh, Google uh, doesn't recognize this parameter, but it's interesting <laughs> that Yandex has it. You know, it's called uh, X or Tits uh, because they changed the name. Yeah, Yandex has this parameter uh, today, uh, but you created uh, in English uh, space this parameter. Yeah, uh, tell about this parameter. It works or not? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, so the basics of domain authority. And so I don't work at Moz anymore. I haven't been there in three years. So I can't for sure say how it works anymore. Um, mm -hmm. But when we initially built it, um, when I built it with the engineers who I think were still there up till last summer. But um, the way domain authority works is that it is a machine learning ranking system against Google search results. So the data, the machine learning uh, system is trained on a bunch of Google rankings, right? So you, you know, whatever, throw in tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Google rankings for all sorts of key keywords. And then you look at what are the factors, the link-based factors for all the websites and web pages that show up in them. Uh, Moz has, I, I'm pretty sure they still have, uh, two different 
parameters. They've got page authority, which is much more accurate, right? Page authority is the, the authority of an individual page based on all the links of the domain that it's on and all the links that it has to itself, internal and external, all the whatever anchor text of those pages and the you know the weight of those pages and and MozRank, which imitates PageRank and Trust and blah 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 blah. Every input that we that all our engineers could think of, all of those are machine learned trained against Google's rankings, and then you get the best fit line, right? So I, I don't know. I think page authority is like 0 0.4, 0 0.42 something correlation with Google rankings, which is extremely high for like one individual metric. But of course, it's not one. It's all these other ones mashed together. Domain authority is lower. It's like 0.25 or 0.28, something like that. So look, generally speaking, if you put the same piece of content on 10 different domains, the idea is that the one with the highest domain authority will almost always rank highest in Google. And that is generally true. What is not generally true, and I think that people assume is true, is that the link from the highest domain authority domain will always have the best result. Is it probably true that most of the time getting a link from a higher domain authority domain is better than a lower one? Yes, probably most of the time. If you're talking about a change of like two or three or four points, get out of here. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. DA82 and DA78, nobody cares, right? Take the DA78. I don't care. It doesn't matter. If you're talking about DA78 and DA38, eh, yeah, probably the 78 is going to be more valuable to you uh, in your rankings. So that's, um, you know, that, that's how that system works. In terms of link building today, like I said, I, I strongly believe that at least in English, um, what we are seeing right now is Google getting way more sophisticated than links, meaning they look for searcher satisfaction. They look for brand authority, more so than domain authority. They care about brand authority, meaning mm -hmm. do lots of people search for Lego? Do lots of people search for SparkToro? When they search for SparkToro or when they search for, um, let's say they go search for, for children's toys and they click on Lego's website. When they get to Lego's pages, do they stay or do they go back to Google and choose something else? That is real brand authority to Google, right? That's searcher satisfaction in action. If you come back and you choose a different result, you are telling Google's search engine, I was not satisfied by the result you initially gave me or the one I initially clicked on, but I was happier with this other one. And over time, Google learns that. So in terms of, you know, should I go build a bunch of links for a bunch of high DA websites? Maybe. Depends on your country and your region and whether that stuff still works. In the US, in English, I would focus much more on digital PR and brand building and getting people to prefer my results and getting people to search for my brand and getting my brand onto all these places that I possibly could. You know, it's a different game than 10, 15 years ago in SEO, which was like links, 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 anchor text, anchor text, anchor text. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you measure uh, brand authority? It's like uh, with, uh, volume. Yeah. I, br volume is a decent proxy, in my opinion, right? I think the, the sort of three ways that I think about it are um, PR tracking. So I'll go mm -hmm. to um, I'll go to like Google search and Google news and I'll look for my brand, SparkToro, and how many mm -hmm. times it's appeared in 
you know, prominent web pages and news sources in the last few days, last week, last month compared to my competitors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a pretty good proxy. The other one is um, Google Trends. So Google Trends, you can plug in a brand name and see, you know, how it is trending versus whatever the generic searches or versus um, the uh, competitors in the space. That That's a reasonable proxy too. Uh, and then I would look at, you can track your own um, relative searcher satisfaction by looking at search traffic that comes to your home pages and your primary kind of product pages, and then looking at the bounce rate. Mm-hmm. So if lots of people who search for whatever it is, you know, SparkToro come to our site and well, last month, 25% of them left after one page visit, right? They left before ever visiting anything else. All right. Well, that's, that's not terrible, but it's not great. And then this month it's 40%. Whoa. Something's wrong. We did, we did something wrong or we told a lot of people somewhere um, maybe through a PR campaign or a branding campaign or through our marketing and advertising that we did something and they assumed we did the wrong thing, right? So like mm-hmm. they came to our website thinking, I don't know, we helped with SEO, right? Uh, obviously, you know, I still talk mm-hmm. to a lot of people in SEO. And so they come to SparkToro, they think it's an SEO tool. And then they're like, this is an SEO. Why did Rand go on the SEO tools, you know, thing like, uh, I don't want this. And mm-hmm. then they leave. So that they are unsatisfied, right? They have been, they've been made unhappy because their expectation was Rant Fishkin, SEO tool. And then they come to SparkToro and they're like, this is what audience intelligence, learn about which podcast my audience listens to. That's not what I wanted. I wanted SEO. So they leave, right? And so uh, measuring that over time is a good way to get a sense of your brand authority and your searcher satisfaction authority. Uh, you know, um, I check out uh, Sparktora uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm interested about uh, the main reason. For example, um, let's talk about buying persona. Um, I remember when uh, Tim Solo uh, from HRFs uh, told that he can't create buying persona for HRFs because the audience is broad. You know, yeah, a lot of people use HRFs. Uh, and, uh, for example, I think that uh, it's possible to create a buying persona for pay-per-click. Uh, when you set up uh, paid ads, uh, it's uh, it costs a lot. Yep, you know, it's, you can't cover uh, a lot of uh, uh, clicks. It's better to find your buying persona to customize it. Uh, what about organic reach? Uh, how you can create a buying persona if you have different Clients, uh, women, men, uh, different ages, uh, interests. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So let's see. I think first off, I agree with Tim a little bit. Personas are not always the right tool for the job, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I'm I'm Tim and I'm trying to build a, hey, I need to segment my marketing because, you know, some of my marketing is going to be targeted at agencies. Some of it's going to be targeted at consultants. Some of it's going to be targeted at the United States. Some of it's going to be targeted at, um, I don't know, Chinese companies. Some of it's going to be targeted at Thai companies. Some of it's going to be targeted at India. Some of it's going to be targeted at um, not consultants or agencies, but in-house SEOs and link builders. Some of it's going to be targeted at uh, individual website owners who like do their own marketing and they're just, you know, they're sort of solopreneurs. Okay. So maybe mm-hmm. personas, you know, the classic persona model is not the right way to go. Bunch of demographics and psychographics, blah, 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 blah. Instead, just segment your audience into, we have this type of buyer, 
this type of buyer, this type of buyer, this type of buyer, they're in these different regions. They, you know, this kind of marketing is going to work. The same marketing that works for um, an agency owner in the United States may not work well for an agency owner uh, in the Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. No problem, right? So two different ones, right? Okay, we've got segment one and segment two. These, they're going to get different types of ads. They're going to get different, you know, we're going to reach them with different uh, marketing channels. We're going to have different landing pages for them. That's great. That's all you need, right? What what a, a marketer's job is, is to most effectively accomplish their task. If personas don't do that work for you, then don't use them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, uh, we need to ask these questions. We have some questions here. Okay. Uh, Nikolai Smichkov, what do you think about black PR? After all, <laughs> you can use Trump and get a bunch of publications yeah, in the media mentioning the brand. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's black hat necessarily to mention Trump, but um, mm-hmm. I'll show you this. We did this and it was uh very effective got us lots of traffic keeps getting us lots of traffic so we mm-hmm. you know we have this fake followers tool i mentioned it right so when we mm-hmm, launched yeah. that we looked and we saw all right everybody runs the first search they run is their own account so anatoly you know you might go to fake followers you search for your twitter account and you see mm-hmm. how many yeah, you know fake followers you have. and the second search everybody did donald trump like <laughs> everybody was like oh fake followers what about donald trump <laughs> and, and so we wrote a blog post like we what we did is rather than you know just leaving it we were like okay usually when we run the analysis we we run a sample of five or ten thousand uh accounts but in this case let's go ahead and analyze every single follower so that's what we did we analyzed every single one of donald trump's like i don't know 60 million followers or something to see how many of them were real and fake and the tools estimate was pretty close anyway so it you know, it wasn't a huge difference, but we published an article about it. Is it black hat PR? No, it, it's like, it's semi-relevant. Tons of media outlets picked it up, covered it, talked about it, linked to us. The tool got a bunch of attention. I, I think it's a totally legitimate tactic, right? Um, and if, if you know, if you can identify a source of a uh, lot where there's lots of interest, where there's lots of controversy, where there's strong opinions, and you can w- relate your brand to it, your voice to it, your content, your tools, your data. Fine, go for it. I, I don't think I don't think that's a problem. You know, the only I think really um, black hat PR stuff is when you are blatantly lying or um, spreading misinformation. In those cases, I think the backlash can be worse than the benefit. So you might get a bunch of links, but you'll also get a bunch of people having a bad association with your brand. If if that's the case, you might actually lose rankings rather than gain them. Because, you know, it, it, it's not 2010 Google where, you know, links govern the algorithm completely. It is 2021 Google where if lots of people search, they see you in the listings and they intentionally don't click on you because they have a bad association with your brand. You're going to be in big trouble long term, right? So you yeah. need brand preference to work in your favor to have long term Google success because that's how the machine learning algorithm works. 
By the way, doesn't uh, Donald Trump doesn't have any followers on Twitter because Twitter blocked his account. <laughs> not, <laughs> <Yeah>. not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. Well, um, so like, right, this is you know, it's a reasonable example. Like Donald Trump did a lot of misinformation, disinformation, you know, rules violating stuff, and he, he lost his account as a result. Right. So, yeah. Okay, uh, the legend ask, uh, please discuss my question shared above about using target keyword in H5, ah, H6, yeah, in headings. Uh, I think distilled, the, um, so distilled, which is now part of Brain Labs, they did an uh, header H2 Brain Labs distilled, I think they did a study on this. Oh, gosh. I, I remember Jim Mueller replied to this question that Google doesn't care about. No, I, I don't think. Well, so first off, anytime someone from Google replies to a question and says, we do use this, we don't use that, I never believe them. I don't believe them okay. one little bit because so many times they say, oh, we don't use that. And then like five years later, you know, there's a congressional document <laughs> of it. And it's like, hey, it says right there you use it. Well, oh, um, uh, shut up, go away. You know, <laughs> we want to address it. Go screw yourself. Um, the so I like people who run tests. Um, I agree with I agree mm -hmm. with the legend on that. I think that's a, a great idea. I can't find it in here, but I know that. Um, oh, okay. Will Critchlow was on a podcast discussing this. Uh, gosh, and they have done some, some AB testing with it. So you might be able to find it through that. Um, I would look, yeah, why? Well, if you find this link, we can yeah, see it. I'll, try and, find, I'll yeah. try and find it for you. It mm -hmm. is, oh, okay. Split testing, search pilot. That's what it is. All right, here you go. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think... They looked at H1, that still seemed to have a small amount of value. They looked at H2 and it was close to zero and anything else was not at all useful. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So I, I don't think that's surprising at all, right? Like why would Google care if you put something in an H4, 5, 6? Like, <laughs> so what? Just, just have your headlines however you need to lay them out. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, okay, the next question. One of my clients' website has 75% spam score. Uh, how do you measure this spam score? I don't know. <laughs> I have this Moz, Moz has oh. a spam score ah, too. Yeah. It just looks at the, the spam of the backlinks. Ah, yeah, good. I, 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 yeah, I, think I was confused. Refs might have one too. I can't remember. So, I think somebody else has one. Maybe it's SEO Clarity, mm -hmm. somebody like that. I, I was confused about density, you know, yeah, uh, got it about the spam score. I have disavowed bad links. Um, to there any other way to remove spam score? Oh, so one of the things is none of the tools, whether it's, you know, Moz or Ahrefs or, or, or anybody else, they don't know if you've disavowed links or not. So mm -hmm. if you've already disavowed a link in um, Google Search Console, you know, whatever, Moz's spam score doesn't know that, they can't know that. So I just wouldn't worry about it, right? I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I wouldn't worry about the spam score that's reported. I'd just be like, okay, yes, I already know that. If it goes up, maybe I'd look again just to make sure and see if there's anything else you want to disavow. But generally, if you've disavowed it in Search Console, you're fine. 
Uh, I think HRFs has uh, the feature. You can yeah submit your disavowal links and HRFs. Oh, and then they'll plug them in. Oh, that's nice too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Okay, uh, Nikolaj Mishkov asked about social media. What do you think? Uh, where IT specialists need to pay their attention? <laughs> Clubhouse. I mean, I would go. I would go where your audience is, right? So mm -hmm. if you, um, if your audience and customers are on Clubhouse and that's a platform that you like, go for it. If they're mm -hmm. on TikTok and that's a platform that resonates with you, go for it. If they're on Twitter, I'd stay there. If they're on Reddit, I'd go to those places. What what I don't like doing is sort of adopting every new one just because it came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I like to uh, pay attention uh, places where you feel uh, much better. You know, <laughs> for example, my wife uh, has mass following on Instagram, uh, but I has a few followers on Instagram. I don't know how <laughs> to get them. Uh, my my ten years some uh, posts content on TikTok, and uh, he tried to post on YouTube, and uh, he failed. He he doesn't know why people don't subscribe to his channel. <laughs> I told him that's okay, you know. Don't worry about followers. Yeah, yeah in ten years, yeah, that, that's okay. Just go ahead. I I, I love because he he does it. You know, he creates content, and uh, I I see. Uh, of course, I don't understand his humor. You know, uh, but uh, <laughs> he has followers on TikTok, and they uh, these people understand. And I love that uh, uh, his consistency. You know, yeah. Yeah, because I see he improves quality of video, editing, yeah, in 10 years, that's okay. And I think, uh, for example, I pay a lot of attention on LinkedIn because I can get engagement there. It depends. And uh, it's better to choose places where you feel much better. It's my opinion. <laughs> okay. Uh, the question uh, is building content cluster around a specific can win against the minority. Well, people want to know about the minority. <laughs> um, yeah, I have seen I've seen plenty of websites that build up niche expertise in one particular sector and they beat out um, anybody else. Right. So, you know, a, a specific website that is talking about. Um, you know, analyzing um, uh, basketball betting odds, and it does better for terms around basketball and and odds of beating of one team beating another than you know something like ESPN, right? Which has a ton of authority. So yes, you can absolutely win with uh, niche focus, and I think that's actually a really a pretty smart idea to compete in a space that's very crowded. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I have a few questions that people ask me uh, uh, on LinkedIn, and uh, one of them: If you start from scratch, where to pay attention to create content, to uh, think about link building, uh, or uh, to build your uh, name on social media to create brand awareness? Uh, if you start, uh, for, uh, I know that you started Moss and SparkToro from scratch. Uh, today, what we need to do? absolutely depends on who you are and who your customers and audience are. So I, I would never apply the same tactics to, you know, an e-commerce um, niche business that I apply to a B2B software business. They are, they are totally different uh, tactics, totally different subsets. So there's, there's no one right answer. That being said, um, uh, where, 
yeah, where should you start marketing a new business? So I have this post that I wrote a few months ago uh, mm -hmm. that answers that exactly. Um, and, and basic story is I, I really like picking something that serves your potential audience, um, an area where you know you can provide unique value differentiated from everybody else mm -hmm. and somewhere where you actually have personal interest. So if you hate TikTok or you hate Twitter or you hate content marketing, don't do it. It's not going to work well for you. You're never going to get great at something you absolutely despise. Pick something where you have personal interest and your audience is there and you can create unique value. Th that tends to work well. No, I think uh, a lot of people try to copy Gary V. You know, he has mass following everywhere. But oh, you know, I think yeah. He, but terrible, Gary V. Is terrible advice. Look, Gary V. is serving a lot of Fortune two thousands, huge brands with massive teams, right? With with who can easily hire a thousand social media marketers and a bunch of agencies to manage their presence across every potential platform. That is not most small and medium businesses. Mm -hmm. So. Take, you know, make sure you take his advice in the context that it's intended. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, uh, Gary V started from Twitter as well. He uh, tweeted uh, for six years. Uh, uh, he told that he did it, yeah, I think six years uh, all night to reply to all comments. And, yeah, <laughs> uh, that means it's better to focus uh, when you start from zero. To one platform and uh, extend to other if you have resources some team and uh, i think that the gary v has this team <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay um how to choose priorities when you have limited resources uh for example uh um if i have only my two hands uh no money and uh, but uh, i have some idea and uh, how to choose priorities. For example, when I check out MOS or HRS, I see uh, a bunch of keywords uh, and I show some of these keywords uh, with my brother. He told me, oh, oh, yeah, I can write about this, this, this. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea. Yep, it's better to choose priorities. How do you choose that? Um, I mean, I would start from strategy, right? Mm -hmm. So at, at the highest level, what are the business goals that I need to accomplish and what do I think are the most effective tactics and channels to be able to do that. Then I would go into, okay, we've decided that SEO or content or digital PR or um, uh, you know research or uh, free tools or whatever it is, is the tactic that's going to work best and the channel that's going to work best. And then I would start to prioritize individual things in that tactic based on what you think uh, is going to work the best for that specific tactic. So if you've decided that SEO is right, fine. Now go look at the keywords. Once you have the list of keywords, now go choose the ones you think are going to be most effective and that you have great content ideas for and that you think you can outrank the competition. Great. That, that's a reasonable, very reasonable way to prioritize. I think it's dumb to go the other way and kind of go, oh, here's a tool. Oh, it told me I have a bunch of keywords. Let me try and make content for the keywords. No, 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 no. Start, start from strategy, right? Who am I trying to reach? Who's my audience? Where can I reach them? How can I reach them? How can I beat my competition? Which tactics and channels am I investing in and why? Then in the, in the tactic, go into prioritization. Uh, 
Okay, and uh, I have the last question about tools. Uh, I want to ask this question because, for example, when I see uh, or consume content from uh, IHRFs, uh, uh, they talk about IHRFs. If I check out SEMrush, they talk about SEMrush. But if I check out your content, you share content. IHRF, SEMrush, Moz, or anything else, yeah. Basumo. Uh, what's the reason? <laughs> yeah, I don't like... Um... I don't like and don't resonate with very self-centered and self-promotional content. Doesn't work well for me. <laughs> I don't. Um, I don't think it's the best tactic for attracting the kinds of customers that I want to work with. And so, you know, I think if you if you visit a website um, or you read someone's content and they only ever talk about things that benefit themselves, you're going to stop believing them you don't trust them anymore, right? I think I, I would like to be a voice that people can trust, right? Mm -hmm. e even if something is against my self-interest, I will still talk about it if it is useful to you, to, to my audience, to the people who are listening to me. And because of that, I think, you know, this is a reason why Moz and, and, and me were able to build up a very big content platform. You know, I, I think Ahrefs and SEMrush nowadays are both, bigger than Moz in terms of software subscribers, like subscribers to their tools, but not neither of them are as big in terms of content and education. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that's part of the reason why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Okay. Uh, I, tell, oh, I only have like two minutes left, so. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, just uh, tell where people can find you. Okay. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wanna ask about uh, how they can reach out to you because I did it on email, but uh, tell about the best way and uh, give a strong reason why people need to buy uh, SparkToro today. <laughs> <laughs> well, so look, SparkToro is not an SEO tool. It's a great mm -hmm. tool for finding, if you need to know, hey, my audience is you know chemical engineers in the UK or I am selling to, uh, people who love dogs in Canada, or I am trying to reach um, an audience of uh, people who care a lot about fashion in California. SparkToro can tell you what websites do they visit, which social accounts do they follow on which networks, what podcasts they listen to, what YouTube channels they go to, what press sources are they paying attention to. And then you can sort of check the sources you're interested in add them to a list, get all the email contact information and start a PR, you know, digital PR campaign or an outreach campaign or go buy advertising, whatever your tactics are. So that that is hard data to come by if you don't have SparkToro. I, I don't know anyone else who offers that right now. You can absolutely, if raw link building is your goal, yeah, Moz or Ahrefs or SEMrush or or Systrix or, or Majestic or any, mm -hmm. any of those platforms are great for you. But if Learning where your audience hangs out and doing digital PR is what you want to do. SparkToro is free. You can you can try it for free. You can build a list for free. You can run 10 searches a month for free um, at sparktoro.com. And if you have questions about it, you want to chat with me, I am most active on Twitter where I'm at Randfish. Uh, mm -hmm. And I also blog at sparktoro.com slash blog about all sorts of stuff like, like we've talked about and shared today. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Just open it and yeah, reach out to Ren Fishkin and use Parktora. Okay, thanks a lot for your time. Thanks for watching this. Uh, video. Totally, yeah. it, was, it was great joining you. I really appreciate it. Okay, thanks a all lot. Right. Thanks. Okay, Take care, see man. you.
Bye. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.